Temp check. What kind of summer are we having this year? A family road trip summer? A beach bum summer? Or a wake me up when the sun sets summer? With Instacart, choose your own adventure and skip the shopping side quests. Where available, you can get ice cream delivered to your hotel, sunscreen to the pool, or cold brew to your bed. Well, door. In as fast as 30 minutes. Wherever you find yourself this summer, you can get the goods. Download Instacart for free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. Minimum $10 per order. Excludes restaurants. Additional terms and fees apply. Hello, everybody. I'm Lou Dobbs. This is The Great America Show. Welcome and great to have you with us as always. Today, Miranda Devine joins us. Miranda is the ultra-talented star columnist for The New York Post, and she'll be giving us her latest take on Hunter Biden, the robust investigations that the Republicans are opening up, and yes, included in it all will be Hunter's father. Joe Biden, Swamp Swami, and the swamp is alive to a new breeze rolling in over the waters. Turns out that not all oligarchs are beyond concern for the nation and the American people. Enter Elon Musk, who has just pulled back the underbrush where Twitter executives had buried much of the evidence of their complicity with the FBI in suppressing the truth of Hunter Biden's laptop from American voters. Top executives meeting with FBI officials each week to assure the Marxist Dems' lies were undisturbed by truth and the corrupted Twitter officials obliged. And who else, we don't yet know. But Elon Musk vows there's much more to come. And so far, Musk has delivered on our hopes that he will indeed be a constant champion of free speech. Cross your fingers. To this point, we can say this. What a firestorm Musk has ignited. And the left will soon have to deal with truth and the consequences, which they've avoided for more than six years. Revelations are arriving by the day, it seems, evidence that the Marxist Dems collaborated with the deep state, the Marxist global media, and corporate globalists, a toxic brew if ever there was one, concocted to first stop Donald Trump from being elected back in 2016, then to destroy his presidency with years of FBI investigations of the hoax Russian collusion frame-up and the special counsel investigation and two impeachments. And now in the seventh year of the political persecution of Donald Trump, a second special counsel. But now we know the effort to block Trump's re-election was a whole-of-government effort driven by the Marxist Dems and some of Trump's appointees, and the deep state, of course. Thanks to Elon Musk's revelations this week, we know that the FBI and Twitter top officials were meeting weekly as they suppressed the truth from the American people. Our guest today is the New York Post's Miranda Devine, star columnist for The Post. Great as always, Miranda, to have you with us. Let's start with the idea that the world's richest man is the oligarch standard bearer for free speech in America. No matter his motives, he is, at least to me, the man of the hour in the fight for freedom. Your thoughts, Miranda? Yes, I, I'm a little loath to sort of treat him like the Messiah because I, I'm sure, you know, he'll disappoint us like everybody else uh, ends up doing when they're in that sort of position of power and incredibly wealthy. There's a huge amount of pressure on him. And of course, he is uh, exposed to China with his Tesla business and 
exposed to, you know, the vagaries of government payments with his satellite business. So uh, I think there's only so much he can do to defy the establishment, but so far so good. And I really hope that he does stick to his promise and do it fast uh, to expose all the details of Twitter's massive censorship operation, including their censorship of the New York Post over our Hunter Biden story before the 2020 election. I think he needs to do it quickly, get it out there, because um, there, there, there are a lot of people, very powerful people, with secrets they don't want exposed, and they will continue to put pressure on him to stop him. So every day that he doesn't expose it when he promised to, I, I think is bad news. I, I couldn't agree with you more. And it's and the White House is not being in any way nuanced or subtle. Uh, <laughs> they're making absolute direct threats. They're trying to intimidate him right now. Tim Cook, one of the left's favorites, uh, is uh, not a man to to in any way take for granted that uh, he won't uh, won't have a, a, s- a series of consequences awaiting uh, Elon Musk. Uh, but we, it's interesting that these two billionaires, one the wealthiest uh, by far, uh, the wealthiest man in the world, uh, but both their companies are dependent on Chinese products. Chinese labor uh, to one degree or another across all three of uh, Musk's principal businesses. This is a really a, a study in dependency on the part of American entrepreneurs and uh, corporations uh, and how it plays out. I, I couldn't possibly tell you how it's going to wrap up. Yeah, look, it really, we're seeing just how enmeshed uh, American economy and American elites are with China. It's, you know, there was talk during the Trump administration of decoupling, but, uh, you know, we haven't even done that with antibiotics uh, on the supply chain. So um, I, I think it's, you know, it's just a Herculean task and there's certainly no um, desire to do it among top politicians and top business people in America. But you see, uh, um, yes, both Musk and Cook uh, or Apple are exposed to China, but in Apple's case, Tim Cook's case, they've gone one step further to actively assisting um, the Chinese Communist Party and cracking down on their people by, you know, they, they issued that update where they removed um a feature that was assisting the protesters and the airdrop feature. And that's really terrifying. And we've seen this before from Apple and and Google and big tech. Um, They're they're not American companies. They're globalist companies. They're uh, as much informed by the values of Europeans and the Chinese as they are uh, of America. And, And they certainly don't respect the First Amendment like Americans should. We are really in a, an extraordinary position uh, geopolitically, uh, economically, uh, and our our so-called leaders. And I'm speaking of both parties. This is not a partisan uh, uh, a defense no. or advocacy of any kind, uh, because both parties are culpable. Uh, we have given Wall Street and what used to be corporate America, but which is now global, uh, uh, corporate global. Uh, We've given them far too more, more, far too much power, and we don't have a countervailing influence in this country right now to that awesome economic and political power, do we? 
No, and you just reminded me of, uh, I don't know if you remember, there was a Chinese professor who uh, spoke just after the 2020 election. He gave a, uh, a lecture to do a big auditorium of young students in, I think it was in Beijing, maybe in Shanghai, but he um, anyway was talking about America in the election and he said the problem with Trump was that Wall Street could not fix Trump. Our friends in Wall Street who always through the decades have assisted us, they could not fix Trump. And that was why Trump had to go in 2020 by hook or by crook. And every aspect of the establishment of the power elite in this country worked to ensure that happened. And they didn't care if it was by fair means or foul. And it's absolutely true because right now, as we're watching this, this economy start to right itself with Throughout all of the cries about high inflation, all of the concerns about uh, the dysfunction of uh, both markets and volatility. Meanwhile, Wall Street was steadfastly, constantly shipping uh, hundreds of billions of dollars to China for investment there. And people wonder why the market isn't quite as robust as it might be. And that is one of the reasons capital is flowing out, not in. Uh, even though we have uh, the most secure markets uh, in the world. Uh, It's going to be telling this next year in terms of what happens to this economy and China's. Well, Lou, and also this is the product of many decades of an influence operation deliberately uh, managed by China to um, capture America's elites. And Joe Biden was front and centre of that. He, back in 1979, was duchess uh, on his first trip as a, a young senator, as the chairman of the Foreign Relations Committee in the Senate. Um, he was duchess in uh, China by um, then, uh, you know, President Jimin, I'm not pronouncing his name correctly, and the top CCP officials, they took him to the equivalent, the Chinese equivalent of Martha's Vineyard for several days of full-on brainwashing. And he came back and he was so embarrassingly a cheerleader for China that the weekly standard from memory wrote some crushing headline about how embarrassing he is. Um, and But he continued in that vein uh, ever after and was always saying, oh, China's not going to you know, eat our lunch. They're our friends, you know. That's ridiculous. And in 2001, he was instrumental again as the chair of the Senate Foreign Relations Committee in um, in getting uh, the the Senate to agree to allow um, China to join the World Trade Organization, which was endlessly destructive to American manufacturing, hollowed out the middle class of America. Um, and you know that was Joe Biden. I mean, the the most resistant. To the idea of China joining the WTO were Democrats. This was in the Clinton era. And uh, Joe Biden, being a Democrat, being influential as he was, managed to strong arm and influence his Democratic compatriots to do that, to go against their, uh, their judgment. And, you know, the rest is history. That was a very damaging, I think we can trace back the hollowing out of middle America to that decision. Uh, in in terms of uh, giving them favored uh, nation status and the re- in, entry into 
uh, the uh, the World Trade Organization. I, I think you're exactly where right. Where they played dirty. Where they played dirty from oh, then absolutely. on. And absolutely. never were punished. Yeah. And we still are losing an estimated half trillion dollars a year in intellectual capital uh, and uh, intellectual property and uh, technology that they are stealing from us uh, as if the FBI didn't exist. They can put 40, 40 FBI <laughs> agents on a murder case in Idaho but can't find anyone to to go uh, go out and enforce U.S. laws against uh, <laughs> uh, <Yeah>. sabotage, <laughs> espionage, and spying. Uh, it's ridiculous. And six agents who went down and investigated the, the fake noose at uh, some NASCAR driver's garage. I, I want to turn to Hunter Biden, uh, about whom you know much, uh, and his... <laughs> And his uh, his crime family, tell us your your sense of where we are with uh, young Biden. I guess we can call him that. Well, I think uh, you know you mentioned the Republicans and their investigations. Now that they have control of the House, I do think that the investigation into what we can call the Hunter Biden laptop affair um, is important. And um, the reason is that uh, I think that both Jim Jordan and James Comer and, in fact, Kevin McCarthy have all made it a point of saying that this is not about Hunter Biden, it is about Joe Biden, it is about um, his involvement in his family's overseas influence peddling scheme, and also about whether or not that means that thanks to the millions of dollars that flowed through to his family, that he is compromised by China, in particular, our greatest adversarium. You could also say Russia, Ukraine, Romania, Kazakhstan. I mean, money flowed through to Biden family coffers and their associates from those countries as well. But um, what's, what's most damaging to us is China. And that's where uh, we've seen the Biden administration really unwind a lot of the get tough on China policies of the Trump administration um, and 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 that's concerning. Uh, I'm not saying that we know that Joe Biden is compromised. I'm not saying that he's a Manchurian candidate. But what I'm saying is that the very existence of that money trail uh, suggests that maybe he is compromised and that when he meets with President Xi, that he's not doing what he pretends he's doing afterwards, what does never shows up in the official um, you know, re re report. It's never a transcript of their meeting, which is uh, you know, that he should press Xi about the origins of COVID um, and other issues that we have problems with. He never seems to do that. He just spends an hour, sometimes two hours, having these long, you know, rambling conversations with Xi. God knows what Xi, who's a chemical engineer, makes of the big noting and the stories about corn pop and so on, but uh, he never manages to do anything that's in America's best interest. And that that is something that is a pattern with Joe Biden since his vice presidential days. He was dispatched off to Beijing in 2013 to try and stem China's aggression. Uh, at that point, it wasn't completely unmanageable. Uh, America could have have threatened and coerced China into not militarizing those islands in the South China Sea uh, to stop stealing America's intellectual property. Um, the power balance at that point wasn't so uh, even. But um, Joe Biden, he'd been dispatched by President Obama to be his 
his man in China to be his point man there. And Joe Biden went to Beijing with Hunter Biden in tow on Air Force Two in 2013, and he came away empty-handed. He got none of the things that he went there to extract from China. But Hunter Biden walked away with uh, a 10% share in an equity fund that was uh, at last count, I think 2019, had $2.5 billion of funds under management. So uh, America lost, but the Biden family won. And that has been the story of the Biden family throughout, uh, certainly with uh, Hunter Biden's uh, leadership, I, I will say, with those enterprises. Uh, Joe Biden parading Hunter around in our faces, the, the famous wave as they were off to vacation, uh, boarding Air Force One. Uh, this is this is a time, if ever there were, for a, a real investigation. Miranda, I have to say to you, I really am. Uh, I, I think James Comer is an outstanding congressman. I think uh, he has immense uh, potential and a, an immense uh, possibility as a leader in the Republican Party. Uh, the same is true of Jim Jordan. But what I fear is that with Kevin McCarthy, who himself has a number of questions about his commitment to conservative uh, and mainstream uh, traditional American values. I, I think that uh, if we could be looking at a repetition of Benghazi, uh, we could see mm. Jason Chaffetz, uh, we could be seeing Trey Gowdy uh, as uh, chairman rather than the men that I think they are. What are your thoughts? Yes, and I, I think that those misgivings um, have led to a group of Republicans pushing for Lee Zeldin, uh, who did so well in New York, in um, you know coming very close to winning the governorship, but um, possibly even more important, uh, at least for the country, was that because of his, the strength of his campaign, he managed to drag uh, another four um, you know congressmen into uh, into Washington and flip the house. So uh, you can honestly say that without Lee Zeldin, Republicans would not have won the House, would not have won control there. He he single-handedly created a red wave in New York. So um, I, I think that he uh, is a, a, an underutilised resource and so do many others. Now, there's talk of his also replacing um, Rona McDaniel, um, which I think would be is incredibly important. You cannot preside over any losses as she has uh, and and keep on making the same mistakes and stick with the same job. I just cannot believe that she'd be left in place. But um, others have said that uh, Kevin McCarthy, because the numbers are so tight, that um, he really he needs 218 votes and that he may not get them. And uh, in that case, Lee Zeldin is eligible to be drafted. Uh, he's also, I mean, you know, two-term congressman only just vacated his, his post um, and just cleaned out his desk a couple of weeks ago, in fact. Um, and so he would be someone who would unify Republicans and he's shown himself to be, he was always underestimated, but um, he was in the 101st Airborne. He's a pretty tough cookie and uh, he's no. sort of a quiet achiever. I think he could, he could really replace McCarthy and, and do a very good job. I think that 
uh, I would I would vote for him over McCarthy in a minute. Uh, what I would not do is put him in the RNC. Uh, this is a man who has immense potential, as you say, and I think we have to, before we canonize and remind everybody he lost by seven points. Uh, he did not come, uh, that it can't be considered good enough uh, for anyone to be lionized. I, I, I don't care how dire the prospects are for the Republican Party. That's my opinion, Miranda. Uh, I happen to respect the man. It is New York, and I respect him enough, and I think the Republicans should respect him enough to put resources into New York and to go after New York and to win the governorship and to get behind him for what will be an arduous campaign. Uh, the Republican Party doesn't invest in talent. The Republican Party, the Democrats do, uh, and, and they nurture and develop talent. He is young enough that he could make all of the difference in the world in Washington from New York, in my opinion. I mean, he was, remember, during the impeachment, he was one of the the fire-breathing dragons who uh, defended President Trump. So I, he's got a mild-mannered air about him, but he's a mongrel, really. Um, no, I, so agree. I, think I agree. Again, yeah. I respect him yeah. immensely, uh, but I yeah. don't want him in that position where he can't personally be a leader in the party the rnc oh, I is a, yes the rnc is a different job uh, whether we're talking yes. about michael lindell whoever it would be uh fight for that job bring real money and originality and uh, and a positive affirmative uh, uh proven uh, accomplishment and raising a lot of money because that's what it's going to take and, and we just that person is not obvious to me right now uh, and I think mm. there should be a slam, slam, bang, dash, bash fight to, for that job instead of a sinecure, which is what it's become under yeah. McDaniel. Uh, who's Unbelievable. Uh, yeah, and whose uh, middle name, I always remind people, is Romney, and that's for a reason. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I, I want to turn to, as, as we're wrapping up here, uh, they, we've talked about Kevin McCarthy, the Republicans, the red wave. Uh you know, I think we have to say it out loud. Donald Trump kept Ronald McDaniel in that job. Uh, yeah. We we have uh, a president uh, who is right now, this is his time. It should be his time. 2024. He's making misstep after misstep. He has not built an organization. He's built great uh, fundraising. Uh, you get 18 uh, emails from him a day asking for money uh, if you happen to end up on their list. This is atrocious, uh, and I don't understand who's advising him or why. And uh, your thoughts on uh, on on him and Ron DeSantis? Yeah, look, I I have to agree that I feel that with Donald Trump, there's an air of his time is gone, his time has come and gone. Um, that he did an amazing job for the America First movement. Um, he inspired a generation um, to come after him. And in a sense, I wish that he would um, sit back and become an elder statesman and, you know, the sort of father figure and, um, and patron of that movement and, and put his weight and his talents behind a younger person. Because the fact is that he'll be a year older, I think, than Joe Biden was. Uh, when he first took office, if he win, wins in 2024, um, that really means that he's a terribly healthy and fit guy. I, I, I 
you know, he, he looks even fitter now than he did before. But it does mean he's probably only a one-termer. And also, I think after Joe Biden, there's just a mood in the country. Uh, you know, after Joe Biden and Nancy Pelosi and um, this sort of gerontocracy in Washington uh, and, and the fact that, that a younger generation was so damaged during COVID by the lockdown and there'll be a lot of those kids that were at school and were damaged so much and their education destroyed who will be coming on stream as new voters. I really think that the the Democrats, no matter what they say about Joe Biden, they're just protecting him. He just doesn't want to be a lame duck. Um, they're going to run a youth ticket in 2024. And I think that is also going to hurt Donald Trump. So, um, and then, you know, as you say, I mean, maybe he'll get his act together with his organization, but um, he's had a long time to regroup and create a winning um, combination for 2024. And, you know, just that Kanye West, um, Nick Fuentes dinner that he allowed to happen at Mar-a-Lago, um, you know, it just looks to me like they were trolling him and they took advantage of his good nature. I don't think people really understand that Donald Trump's actually a very nice and generous man in person. He absolutely is. And people take advantage of him and they did that in his presidency as well. Oh, throughout. Uh, the president, uh, he is, as you say, a generous uh, man. Uh, he, I think part of his tough facade is he tries to protect his uh, inner nature uh, perhaps yeah. too much. And and th- why he didn't fire everyone associated with putting that uh, those two racists, uh, yeah. firing them immediately to put them in front yeah. of Donald Trump. Uh, to permit him to even be in the same room with those people, let alone on his property, uh, is outrageous. Yeah. It, it's just, uh, but you know, I can, you know, I can forgive once. I can't forgive twice. Uh, and this is, it just cannot happen again. He's either got to build an organization and get serious and quit teasing. Uh, he's got to do it, and it won't. He's got to use every minute of every hour from now until Election Day 2024 if he means to be president of the United States again. Uh, And there will be no nonsense. Uh, It's going to be a a battle for him no matter what, uh, because Ron DeSantis and God knows who else will be trying uh, to win that nomination. You've been great with your time, and it's great of you to to be with us here on The Great America Show. We always give our guests the last word, as you well know. Uh, and if I may, turn to you to, for your concluding thoughts on whatever and however many issues you would like to discuss. <laughs> well, just to take on from Donald Trump, do you really think maybe his heart is not in it, um, that he feels that he ought to run because so many people you know, are relying on him to sort of rescue the country. Um, and, and and my other thought about the primary is I think it's good to have, you know, Republicans have a very deep bench. And uh, whether it's Ron DeSantis, who I think is terrific and a fighter in the mold of Donald Trump, or someone like Glenn Youngkin, who I'm not so keen on, but he does have that sort of blancmange personality that sort of reaches across the aisle and might drag a few sort of straggling Democrats and independents across which, you know, you need to do, you need to appeal to the centre. Um, or, you know, people we don't even know about. I think there's a lot of talent there and I think it's good 
um, and healthy for democracy and, and healthy to temper these people for, you know, what's the toughest job in the world, um, to have that competition there. It's not, it doesn't, the presidency doesn't belong to any one person. Nobody has the right to just demand that it be handed to them on a silver platter. So, um, you know, if Donald Trump really is serious, really his heart is in it, he does want to do it, then great, you know, let, let the best man or woman win. Exactly. I, I couldn't agree with you more. Uh, and, and I think you make a, a, a great, you put forward a great question. Is his heart in it? He obviously does not want to go out a loser. He obviously no. is uh, submerged uh, in the political persecution that uh, has persisted uh, since uh, 2016. Uh, the man is in his seventh year of political persecution without yeah. let up. And not one champion, not one voice has risen in the leadership of the Republican Party to defend him and demand that this ignorance stop. Uh, I think that speaks so poorly of this Republican Party, because you know well that Democrats would have united behind any of their standard bearers to make certain mm -hmm. that this kind of nonsense and it's there's nothing question there's no question about it it is absolutely flagrant intimidation uh, and retribution and the only wrongdoing that's been exposed and that's this now the seventh year of that political persecution is wrongdoing by the department of justice by fbi agents <laughs> by you know, the democratic national committee and the clinton campaign uh, who why can't the, this let me ask you one last question why, in your opinion, has there been no uh, no coalescing around the fact that this is an innocent man has been persecuted by the power structure of the United States, whether it's Wall Street or globalist uh, American corporations, and now another special counsel? Look, I really do think it's not just cowardice on the Republican side. It's much easier for Democrats to defend and coalesce around uh, one of their own because they have the media on side. So, uh, you know, the, the Democratic narratives are the ones that are pushed by the elite media, the New York Times, the Washington Post, uh, CBS, NBC, you know, wraparound coverage all the time. Um, they, they colluded with the Democrats to destroy and damage and smear Donald Trump and bring down those around him to cripple his administration. Um, it's very difficult to go against the media. You know, you, you, if, if the media doesn't like you as a politician, you're pretty much sunk because they will, they will dig up dirt about you that the, the Democrat party or the left will have war rooms. You're seeing this right now. Um, there are three war rooms NBC just reported on. Tens of millions of dollars have gone into them on the Democratic side, on the left, and they are all of them looking at defending Joe Biden against Republicans with these upcoming investigations into Hunter Biden's laptop. And uh, and and they're, they're doing opposition research on the Republican House members on their on the Republican members of Congress, they are going to dig into every aspect of their life, their families' lives, and those stories, those smears, will then be published readily in the New York Times on the front page. Those people's their lives, their the schools where their children go, you know, their communities. It doesn't matter how innocent you are. 
um, when, when, when the media and those very clever journalists at the New York Times frame a story to frame you, everyone, your, your reputation is damaged. Very few people that can withstand that kind of reputational attack. Miranda, as always, you're terrific. We thank you for being with us and sharing your thinking. Uh, look forward to the next time. Thank you so much. God bless you. Terrific. Thank you so much, Lou. Miranda Devine is an incredible columnist and always a delight to have her with us. Tomorrow here, our guest will be Congressman Matt Gates. Congressman Gates is among those Republican congressmen who are refusing to support Kevin McCarthy to be the next Speaker of the House of Representatives. Congressman Matt Gates, our guest here tomorrow. Till then, thanks for being with us. God bless you, and may God bless America.